Welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Carol Perlman, a psychologist, health coach, and married mom of two boys. I went from a frazzled mompreneur who hits snooze until the last possible moment to a vibrant business owner who jumps out of bed at 5 a.m. excited about my day. I once felt completely overwhelmed by my endless task list, but have learned how to work smarter, not harder, by studying health habits, mindset, and time management. I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can learn how to stop picking at your kids' leftover food, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of the to-do list so you go to bed feeling fantastic about your day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Perlman. This is the Healthy Habits for Life show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm so glad you've joined me for another episode. And today I have a very special guest with me, Jan Gomez. And so welcome, Jan. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited for you to tell your story today and for us to trace how we know each other and, um, and really highlight what you've been through. So let me explain to everyone, you know, as if you are a listener, you know that I am here to share tips on creating a healthy lifestyle and creating healthy habits. And whenever I come across someone who really epitomizes that, it just really intrigues me. And I am so excited that Jan came into my life and she has such a powerful story of being in a pretty rough place from a health standpoint and, and really drawing that line in the sand saying things have to change. And she worked so hard to change her life and improve her health. And I'm really excited to have her share her story with us because it's really powerful. So thank you so much again, Jan, for being here with us. All right. So let's tell the funny story of how we know each other. Um, so Jan and I have a mutual friend, which really is a friend because uh, is a mutual friend because of the business that she runs. And if you have been a listener on the podcast, then you have met Karen Stabler, who runs Think, Eat, Live, the company that makes sunflower products. And Jan, how did you even discover this? Was it randomly just online? It just came across my timeline one day and I was like, okay, well, let's try this because white flour is out of the question. Um, I don't like the almond flour, coconut flour is too strong tasting. So it was like a stroke of luck. That is wild. The, the powers of Facebook. Okay. So this company, maybe an ad happened to come across your timeline. And so you started looking into it and it's been a while now that I think that you've been a customer, right? Right. It's been yeah. a couple months. Okay. So you've been a devoted customer and we'll talk more about why Sunflower is really beneficial for you. Um, and so Karen started a community for people who are buying her products and have the common goal of wanting to improve their health. And I got involved. I've actually known Karen um, for a while because we're from the same hometown, but I didn't really know her, know her until 
maybe a year ago when I caught wind of what she was doing and learned more about Sunflower and realized that we were really aligned in our passion for helping people get healthier. And so that's where I saw you. Um, Jan is an active member of this community. And one day you shared your story and I was just really mind blown, um, you know, to hear how far you've come. And I thought I got it. I said this to Karen. I said, I got to get to know Jan, I need to know more about this story because it really sets an example of what is possible. So let's get into that. Oh, no, I have to tell the funny story of how we actually started chatting, <laughs> which is because I don't even remember what started this conversation. Maybe we were talking about pasta substitutes. Mm -hmm. OK, yeah, there was a whole. So if you're working on, on your health um, and working on regulating your carbohydrate intake, then pasta is a pretty hot topic. And so I. Like, yes, I think there was a conversation about various pasta options. And I shared with Jan that I had found this edamame pasta, which I am loving, which is super high in protein and high in fiber and low in carbs. So it's a really good option for people who are watching carbs and um, managing diabetes, which we're going to get into. And that's how we got to talking. And, um, and, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. So, so we owe it all to edamame pasta, really. All right. So Jen, tell edamame. Yeah. So tell us your story. Tell us a little bit um, about your health journey. I mean, this goes back, how many years ago was it when you really made a change? Uh, well, I, I was in the hospital two years ago. Okay. Um, so it's probably, I just started getting fat and I thought that that's all it was, was I was getting fat. And uh, I ended up with type two diabetes high blood pressure and high cholesterol, which I still have the high cholesterol, it's hereditary, but yeah. um, I had myself actually going through the initial program of gastric bypass with the VA. And my husband said that I was just starting to say like really stupid things. And I was falling asleep all the time. Um, I literally could not get in and out of bed or on and off the toilet by myself. He had to help me. Um, I go into the bathroom and fall asleep on the toilet. Wow. So, yeah, it was like kind of embarrassing, but it's my life. Mm -hmm. So he finally decided that I had to go to the hospital and I fought him for a couple of hours that day. And uh, we got to the hospital and they put one of those oximeters on my finger and the lady said, get her in here immediately. And of course, this was when COVID just started. Oh my goodness. So they sent my husband away and they took me in the hospital. My, my saturated oxygen level was at 41%. Wow. Yeah. So they said that if I had waited much longer, I literally would have been dead. And actually I was dying. They were afraid that I was, if I made it through all of this, that I was going to end up with brain damage. Um, they, they told me that I stopped breathing in the emergency room and they had to bring me back. And I woke up in a room that would remind you of a, like a dungeon room in a hospital. I felt like I was in the basement of the hospital and I spent nine days in there. Um, I had many, many nasty situations in there. Um, they, they just weren't very pleasant. I mean, hospitals aren't pleasant anyway, but I just really didn't have a good time there at all. Got no rest, but I did have one male nurse who I have since reconnected with who kept telling me, you're going to die. If you don't get this diabetes under control, 
you are going to die. And I'm laying there and I'm thinking, I'm young. I'm like 64-ish. And my mom died before her 70th birthday. She had type 2 diabetes and she did really bad. My sister died when she was 68. She had diabetes type 2. And she did really bad. And I'm like, this could be me. So when I got home, we decided that junk food and everything that was not good for me is out of the question. And I became best friends with Google because I would Google is like, for instance, is watermelon good for a diabetic? And it got to the point where I would put something in is cantaloupe good. And it would automatically just put the rest of it in there for me for a diabetic. And it got very frustrating. So I contacted um, the VA and I got a dietitian nutritionist and she helped me along my path a little ways. Um, we had a couple of meetings like this because you still couldn't meet face to face. Yep. And uh, we figured out how I could live a somewhat normal life and hopefully beat type 2 diabetes. And so I started following her instructions and- You know what, Jan, I'm going to jump in for a minute because I want to back up for a moment before we get to that. So prior to the hospitalization, did you know you had diabetes? I did. You did? I did. I had type 2 diabetes and I was on metformin, yeah. which from what I understand is not a really good drug, but it does supposedly does what it's supposed to do. Um, but my A1C level at my last checkup was only, only 6.2. Um, 6.0 is your diabetic. Yeah. So mine was actually low. And I found out when I got out of the hospital, it was only only 6.8, but still it's diabetic and it, and it could get worse. Yeah. And you had all these secondary problems like cardiac issues that were really what was right. life threatening at the moment. So pr- again, so prior to the hospitalization, you knew that your A1C was high. You knew that you had di- type 2 diabetes. You have two family members who died at a young age be- whose diabetes was not well controlled. And at the time, were you making any changes? Were you working on it or, w- or was it still a struggle? No. no, I was in denial. Yeah. The problem, you know, you get in denial with things and you don't take care of it. I figure, well, okay, you know, um, if I don't eat it all the time, you know, the metformin will counter the badness, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, and how long had you had the diagnosis prior to your hospitalization? I would say probably about two or three years. Okay. I so, just kept getting fatter and, and I couldn't understand, you know, I wasn't overeating and I couldn't understand why I was getting so fat until I got to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you you knew you had this family history and um, your weight was was going up and you didn't know why. And then you got this diagnosis, but it was still hard to wrap your brain around that and really embrace the need for change. And so you kind of lived in this place of denial, but your health was really declining. Your day to day quality of life was really declining. That led you to the hospitalization where things came to a head, led you to the hospitalization, um, again, mostly because of the cardiac issues. Um, but then you had that nurse who really spelled it out for you and said, Jan, you will die if you don't get your diabetes under control. So it was, that was your big wake up call to say, wow, I don't want to fall in the same footsteps as my family. I want to live a longer life. I need to make changes. Great. He scared me healthy. 
Good. Good. It literally, literally scared me healthy. So my goal is to hit my 70th birthday party. I love it. And beyond. And beyond. And beyond. But yeah. you know, baby steps, baby steps. Yes. I love it. Okay. So you had this big wake up call and you realized I want to live. And if I want to live, I'm going to have to make some changes, but it is not easy. I mean, we have to eat. And so it's something you have to manage, you know, maybe 16 hours a day. So it is not easy for sure to really rework your nutrition. So you started out with Google, which is amazing. Google you know, is my best friend. Yes. Such a wonderful asset. And then you had the help of the nurse at the, I'm uh, sorry, the nutritionist at the VA. And so what did the nutritionist help you see that you weren't seeing before? Um, she, well, I was afraid of like, I love cereal. And she told me, I, um, go ahead and eat cereal. Um, I was afraid of carbs. I was trying to like stay away from carbs completely because, you know, carbs, carbs are bad, but not all carbs are bad. So she told me how many I should have per meal, per snack, per day. Um, she told me calories that I should have and uh, like vegetables. You think that, you know, okay, I'm going to eat my vegetables. There's vegetables that I have to either stay away from or eat in moderation. And she basically told me, you know, they white potatoes, white rice, uh, pasta, Corn, peas, everything that I like, stay away mm -hmm. from it. Um, and even some of the fruits, like bananas, are so high in, in natural sugars. Um, so she said for diabetics, if it ends in berry, it's good. Mm -hmm. So I have become very friendly with blueberries, strawberries, and blackberries. And I mean, if you open up my refrigerator, that's what you will always see in mm -hmm. my refrigerator. Fantastic. And so... Write things down. So, oh, I want to get to that. Okay. So she really walked you through it. And I totally understand what you're saying, that it's very easy to get into that black or white thinking, you know, oh, I'm diabetic, carbs are bad, so I can't have any of them. And once you get into that mindset of I can't have any, it's really tricky because either that eliminates a lot of foods and then you don't know what to eat, or you get so mad because you feel so deprived that you rebel and go in the other direction. So it sounds like she really helped you find moderation. She did. She's, she was very kind and very understanding. And to find a good medical person is, is so important when you're having a situation like I had, because you don't want someone that's going to talk down to you. And she was just very, you know, level with me. Didn't use giant medical terms that I'd be like, how oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, like a lot of the doctors will do. Yes. These. But um, she really, and she had my husband sitting there with me so that he could be there and, and know, you know, this is what she really needs to try to stay away from. And so don't be an enabler because he really is an enabler. Mm -hmm. Really bad. <laughs> oh, you know, that's a whole nother topic that we could get into. I'll save it for now. But, you know, it's one thing when you're working on your own needs, but, you know, most of us don't live in isolation. So when you've got family members around you, it, you know, that's really a whole nother thing of what kind of changes are they making or how do they support you or how do they sabotage you? So, yeah, let's let's circle back to that. So. Um, all right. So you started to talk about writing things down. So prior to your hospitalization, had you been monitoring or tracking anything? No, once I quit Weight Watchers like 10 years ago, 
I just really let everything go. I was like, all right, I had enough. It's just, you know, I'm just going to live and do what I want to do. And so I quit writing things down because with Weight Watchers, you know, you write down everything Mm -hmm. or you should, at least that's what I would always tell everybody that came to my meetings. And I quit doing that. And I think that that's, it's all like, you know, people will journal their life events, but they won't journal their food. Mm -hmm. People would read labels and journal their food. They'd be surprised. I used to always tell everybody, you know, you look at like, for instance, cereal is the big thing. Look at the label, see what the serving size is. Take your normal bowl and put an actual serving size in there. But tell me before you do, because I want to put earplugs on because you're going to scream. <laughs> so that was my big thing yeah. at Weight Watchers. And that's an important thing to do, you know, is to look at the serving sizes. Yeah. Because so we don't do that. We just eat. So we forgot to mention this, that in your previous life, you had been a Weight Watchers leader. So you, so your weight has something, it's been a theme. It's been something you've been working on. And so you were doing the Weight Watchers programs. You were a leader for five years and then it ended up closing in your area. So you, you stopped doing that, but you had a lot of knowledge. So think about that. You were someone who you know, you were not new. I hate the word diet, but you were not new to the world of nutrition and you had been a leader and it's still possible for people with all that knowledge and who were a leader to get stuck and to get yourself into a jam um, and really kind of slide far away from everything that intellectually, you knew because we've got emotions and there are a lot of emotions tied to food and our eating and our internal world. Um, so I think that's an important part of your story for us to underscore is that you did, you were in this role and you had all that knowledge, but you weren't acting on it for whatever reason. Okay. Yeah. As it does for so many people. Um, so, okay. So you were working with the nutritionist. Um, so tell me about tracking. What are your thoughts on, you know, tracking how, like to what level of detail have you been tracking and where did you find the sweet spot of what was helpful for you? I'm OCD. So I don't do things halfway. I go full balls to the wall. Yeah. And so I was writing down what I was eating, how much I was eating. I mean, like I was weighing and measuring. I still have my Weight Watchers scale. So I was weighing out my portion sizes. I have measuring cups out because if it's put away, you're not going to use it. Mm-hmm. They're on the counter and I would weigh and measure my portions. And then I would add how many calories it was, how many carbs, how much sodium and how much cholesterol, because I have hereditary high cholesterol. So I don't need to add any more to Mm -hmm. it. And then the sodium, I figure, well, you know, it's really not all that good for you, especially if you have high blood pressure. And it got to the point where they told me that I needed to add some sodium back into my life because then I had low blood pressure. Mm -hmm. Because when I went to the doctor and I brought my journal in with me and he said, you know, you really need some more sodium. That's why your blood pressure is so low. So I journal everything. If I snack, I'll journal it. Even if I don't have, like I have cherry tomatoes, if I grab one, I'll write down that I had it, but I won't, of course, put it. I won't weigh just yeah. one to me, but I write down everything. And do you do paper and pencil? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'm just old school when it comes to that. If I can see it right in front of me without having to go and look, cause my notebook is right on my table. 
Mm-hmm. So you keep it out in the kitchen so you can write as you go. Absolutely. Yeah. And when I do recipes, if it doesn't have like all the ingredients, I'll sit there and figure out the calories, the carbs, et cetera, for each ingredient and then divide by however many servings. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really, I go all the way. It's, it's with me, it's all or nothing. And, it, and it's what's got me to this point. So let's talk about that. So we'll go back and talk about some of the changes that you've made, but let's talk about the endpoint. So by going all in, by taking this really seriously, measuring, tracking, working with a professional, you know, all in, how have you changed your health? I no longer have diabetes. I have reversed type two diabetes. I went from 6.8 down to 5.0. Oh my God. And I went back up to 5.4, but we, I know exactly why I know why and where and how. And so I cut, I was eating pasta. Mm -hmm. And so I cut that out. And that's again, what I found um, sunflower because I wanted to bake again and I would like get the sugar-free cake mix. And it's really still not good for you because it's got flour. So I reversed the, the diabetes and I no longer have high blood pressure. Um, I can walk because I'm not what I said was a tub of lard. Um, and I call diabetes fat girl diabetes or type two diabetes mm-hmm. because diabetes is a beast of a disease. It is. I go to the gym when I'm, when my back allows me because I also have back problems. I have degenerative disc disease and arthritis in my lower back. But even when I go to the gym, I push myself more than I should. Um, I do a low impact cardio, which prior to this, I, you couldn't catch me near the gym. It's just, you know, it's not in my lifestyle then. And I honestly, I could not walk more mm-hmm. than maybe five minutes and my back would hurt and I'd be mm-hmm. tired and my feet would hurt. And it's all connected with your, with your weight. Mm-hmm. So and the diabetes, I was, I would stress over, you know, oh, is this because of the diabetes? And so I'd eat more because I am a stress eater. Mm-hmm. The heart problem, um, when I was in the hospital, the one thing that Val did tell me was that heart problems are a quote unquote side effect of diabetes, that I'm not in there just because I have a heart problem. I wouldn't have this heart problem if I didn't have diabetes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, I'm not seeing you ever again in this room. I have to go and I have to figure this out. So here I am. I'm healthy. Yeah, it is such an incredible story. You know, just through your own lifestyle changes, through the good old nutrition and exercise and effort and education and really making it a priority, you completely turned your health around. And it's just incredible. And so- so day-to-day life, moving around is easier for you. You can walk more, you're, you can breathe, you're not in pain. Um, what are you able to do in your life because your health is better? Oh, goodness. We go camping and I don't have to worry about getting up and down the stairs on the camper. I can go. I like to go wandering through old cemeteries and I can do that again. Um, I can walk up and down hills again. I can go up and down stairs again. I'm dying to go to, I know this is crazy. I'm dying to go to Dollywood and go on roller coasters again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm actually acting younger than other people that I know that are my age. 
and you you actually you you feel better. I just feel a hundred percent better. I no longer even look at junk food because it's like ick. I mean, the thought of putting it in my mouth is disgusting to me. And it's so, like two years to get to this point. Yeah, yeah, it does not happen overnight. But you, because your health is better, you are able to live a much fuller life. Fuller is that a word? A much more, a much fuller life. A do, fuller life. <laughs> uh, do fun things, um, have adventures, travel without the worries of can I do this? Will there be a stair that I can't handle? Will there be a seat that I can't handle? You you just have so much more freedom. You can go to a restaurant and sit in a booth and not have to worry about am I going to fit? Yeah, it's so embarrassing when they sit you at a booth in a restaurant that's crowded and you can't. Bit and you ask them to please put you someplace else. That's yeah. so humiliating. And so and how how amazing to have to be liberated from all of those worries. Absolutely. And I mean it is truly liberating. I can I'm not stretched, my arms aren't stretched out to get to the steering wheel when I'm driving my car because mm-hmm. you know, belly's not in the way. Yeah. It's the little things that you don't really think about that now I think about. Mm-hmm. When I was sitting in my husband's truck, I looked down. And I was like, oh, my God. And he said, what? I said, I can see the sea. Because my belly wasn't in the way. Yeah. Amazing. All right. So, Jan, let's back up um, and let's see if we can really distill the changes that you made that got you to this most wonderful place from a really, really sick very difficult, very precarious place to this place of health and living life. So one thing that you mentioned was working with professionals and taking advantage. I mean, there are a lot of professionals who are there to help. So taking advantage of that, you happen to be a veteran. We didn't mention that you were in the army for three years. So you have, you are eligible for VA services, but there are nutritionists, you know, in any medical practice. So you took, you took advantage of that. Um, you talked about tracking and how important it was to write down and really do the math and really calculate and understand the nutrition within all of the foods that you were eating and tracking to make sure that the numbers add up the way they need to for each meal and for your totals for the day. Um, you talked about weighing and really working on portion control and e- increasing your awareness of those portions, which can be really sneaky. What else would you say? Um, we talked about Google and doing the research and making swaps like sunflower. You really wanted to bake. And so we talked about this all or nothing thinking when you feel like, oh, I have diabetes and I have to improve my nutrition. You can, you could, and I'm sure many people do, you know, write off baked goods and say, I'll never be able to have baked goods again. Was me. Yeah. And that's terrible. You know, eventually you're going to rebel against that. Um, or be really, really angry. And so you got creative and you found solutions like sunflower, which is a better balance of protein and fat and a much lower compilation of, fat, of carbohydrates. So it works and you can make baked goods and your, your, <laughs> yes, cookies, your muffin. Um, you post the, I love the narrative behind your recipes and, um, you're really creative in making the adaptations that you need to. So you have the best of both worlds. They taste really good, but the nutrition profile is really good and it works for you. And I've tried, um, I made the cookies and I did bring them to my doctor's office and shared them with uh, the one nurse that's there. And she was like, they're great. 
Yeah. She, she liked them. I brought them to the gym and shared with a couple of the ladies that, you know, they're, they're fitness instructors and mm-hmm. they're like, really good. Yeah. So you're not sacrificing. I mean, you can find an alternative for just about everything. If you really look hard yeah. and it is hard work. So how do you feel about that? You know, if you think about, we have 24 hours in a day and we have to allocate those resources to lots of different things. How do you feel about your decision or necessity that you allocate time to your food, to thinking about it and doing the research? Um, Well, I'm retired. So I have the advantage of sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. Which is also a disadvantage because then you do think about food a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the computer a lot and looking up different things because grilled chicken gets old. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the one thing that they tell you that is, is very safe is grilled chicken, but it really does get old. And so you, you go, I go and I look for recipes and if something looks good or sounds good, and then I figure out how to tweak it Mm -hmm. from my Weight Watchers days, I do have a food blog that, well, it's not active anymore, but it's still there. So I've gone back and revisited some of my old friends. Mm -hmm. Old friends, meaning your recipes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And some of them actually work now with my life situation that I don't have to tweak them. Mm -hmm. There's some good soups and stews there. And then the other ones, you know, you just, I just changed them up. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's a matter of life or death for me. Have you found, well, and if that's not motivating, then what is, um, exactly. <laughs> have you found that it's gotten easier over time? I and mean, I think it's a lot of work. It's front heavy, you know, in the beginning, it's a lot of work to understand it and, and rework some of your recipes, but what would you say about over time? It, it was really, really hard in the beginning. And now it's like, I can practically look at things and know whether they're what I call Jan friendly. Hmm. Because we're always looking for Jan-friendly things, even snacks. Yeah. So you, can, you can actually find right off the shelf mm-hmm. Jan-friendly snacks. So what are and some it, of your favorites? Um, well, there's these air-popped corn things from um, my favorite store, <clears throat> Walmart. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I think it's 160 calories for like 40 pieces. And the carbs are 13. So for a snack, I'm allowed 15 grams of carbs. So that's safe. Mm-hmm. And of course, I never eat 42 pieces. I mean, gosh. But you know, things like that. Um, sugar-free chocolate. I love chocolate. If I eat something with tomato in it, I don't know what it is, but I've got to have a piece of chocolate afterwards. Oh, that's so interesting. I don't know why. It's just, yeah. it, there it is. Mm-hmm my little quirk. And so I have sugar-free chocolate Mm -hmm. that you can buy in the store. So it's not even that, that stuff is hard to find in this town. It's kind of hard to find because we're really a very small town. Right. But if you go to a bigger town, there's all kinds of things. They have like whole sections of things. Now they're coming out with more and more keto things. Now I don't follow keto. Um, I was told by my doctor not to follow keto. He doesn't think that is healthy. For me, mm-hmm. you know, it may be for someone else, but not for me. But there are some recipes that I have used. So even if you look at those and kind of tweak them to make yep. them friendly, yeah, you can live again mm-hmm. and enjoy it. And you can figure out how to go out to eat, what you can eat, 
And don't be afraid to tell the people at the restaurant how you want your food made. I, I don't want butter on my vegetables, please and thank you. And if it comes with butter on it, rinse it under hot water and then throw it in the microwave to heat it up again. I mean, I can embarrass my husband doing that. And yeah. I do. Have you ever had a waiter or waitress give you a hard time when you ask for what you need? I have. Mm -hmm. I have and I, and I, I'll show them a before picture and I'll tell them this is why. And I don't feel mm -hmm. like going back there. Mm -hmm. And to really, if they're just really snarky, I'll show them the picture from when I was in the hospital mm -hmm. and tell them, I don't want to go back here. I love your sass. I mean, I, I think these days, you know, mo so many restaurants are really, really good about food allergies and food specifications. So I think it's pretty rare that you come across some snarkiness, but I love how you, you're prepared. Like worst case scenario, if I get a snarky response, I, I'm still going to do it and I have a response and I'm still going to ask for what I need. And I'm also not afraid to get up and walk out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's my money, it's my life. So yeah. I really don't think it's that difficult to, to change something in your, in your kitchen, in a restaurant, just, you know, I'm not asking for the world. I did have one chef come out because when I asked to have the butter rinsed off, um, he came running out of the kitchen because he thought that I perhaps had a dairy allergy. Yeah. And he just wanted to make sure because, oh, my God, I don't think I can get all the butter off. Mm -hmm. And I showed him the picture. And I said, no, this is why I don't want that yeah. much butter on it. And he's like, oh, thank goodness. So, yeah, I mean, you have to you have to be. You have to put yourself out there and, and be your own advocate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was going to ask you something else, but what you just said. All right. So let's talk about your, your husband and let's talk about what it's like to live with someone else when you have certain requirements. How has that worked with him? Um, for the most part, it's pretty good. Um, he, he's an enabler though. Um, when I have nothing prepared for dinner, um, he'll say, well, you want to go out to eat and I want to go like get fried chicken. And so that will, will have to be my weekly cheat. Mm -hmm. I do allow myself a weekly cheat and I cheat big when I cheat. And, uh, and I usually regret it afterwards, but I do it anyway, just mm -hmm. once a week. Mm -hmm. um, but sitting around the house, like, watching TV late at night, he'll say, you want some junk? And that's why we have to keep Jan friendly junk food in the house. Yeah. Um, he'll say, you want to go for ice cream? Well, no, because they don't have like frozen yogurt or sugar-free ice cream. You know, things that we used to do all the time that is what helped get me in trouble. Um, other than that, it's, he's pretty good. I kind of had to tell him I don't run a restaurant. So, you know, whatever I make, you're going to eat or you're going to open up a can of soup. So but do you do all the cooking? Like, are you in charge of the, the meals? I am. Yeah. Uh, if, unless if we grill, he's the grill master, but mm -hmm. I decide what we're going to eat. Mm -hmm. And like, we don't do, like, we may do um, grilled chicken and two different vegetables. We don't do like rice or potatoes with it because it's like way too starchy. So, um, we don't eat normal meals like normally normal people around here do. And I definitely don't eat like people around here do. 
Well, yeah, I really, I want to put normal in sort of quotes because I think there is no normal. Normal, I mean, meals are just potatoes type thing. A meat, yeah. a veggie and a potatoes or rice or a pasta, a veggie and a potato or an, and a meat. We don't do that. I mean, I can't remember the last time I had a, a potato. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. I don't miss it anymore. I did yeah. in the beginning. And I so, was more frustrated to the point of tears. Mm -hmm. I'll bet there's still moments, you know, when, when it gets hard um, and where it can be helpful to remind yourself, it's not hard all the time, but there are moments when yeah. it can kind of come to a head. You know, when we go out to eat and I think that he's going to get a salad, you know, grilled chicken salad as well. And he ends up getting like French dip with French fries. <laughs> I want to reach across the table and smack him. But, you know, I understand that he doesn't have to eat this way. Mm -hmm. I mean, would it would help keep him healthy but his numbers have always been good so mm -hmm. you know knock on wood if he stays that way but I'm not going to cook anything that I can't eat unless if I really really want it because mm -hmm. it's just and how does he feel about that um he got over it yeah <laughs> he got over it it's yeah. either that or <laughs> mm-hmm yeah so I want to I want to point out that you know every household makes different makes a different plan when one person is really specific about what they need. And I think that's fantastic that he's willing to go along with it and be supportive. And I know other households where someone might make the carb and then they just don't eat it. But if other people want to balance out their meal with a the carb, then, you know, it's there, but you, at the end of the day, you get to choose what goes on your plate and how to make that work for you. And even you know, in, in an ideal world, you're able to do what you can do and say, I'm, I'm not a, you know, short order cook and I'm going to make one meal and you'll eat that and be healthier for it. Mm -hmm. But even if you have someone who says, no, I still want my rice. I still want my potatoes. Okay, fine. You could make it, but it does. What's that? There's the kitchen. Yeah. Either get them to make it or serve it, but just be really clear about what you need to do. And just at the end of the day, that's the most important thing for you to control is you can control your plate and what you do. And then the people around you will do what they're going to do. But still, even after two years of doing this, the temptation, it's, it's still just too easy for me to take yeah. that put it on my plate. So out of sight, out of mind, I've learned yep. to not miss it. Yeah. Amazing. Simple. Do you have any advice? Let's say there's someone listening to this who's, you know, who's Jan two years ago, who's just at the beginning of the journey and just starting to wake up, at, wake up and say, I need to make some changes. What kind of advice would you have? Um, my first, I think first and foremost is to cut out sugar. Mm -hmm. Sugar is just, it's a killer. I don't care what anybody says. Sugar is a killer. Um, journal what you eat, find out what you should be eating, what you should be putting into your body and how much of it read labels. Nobody reads the labels anymore. Um, like I said, with the cereal portion sizes, they're just so important. You go out and have a steak and you'll get this monster steak. The portion size for a piece of steak is the palm of your hand. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're going to go out and order a 12 ounce steak and too much red meat is not good for you. So, you know, that's, that's good that it's a small of a portion size. Look for healthy options for everything and move, get move. up your butt and mm -hmm. move because if you're stagnant, you're just going to keep putting the weight on. Even if you eat properly, 
if you don't move, you're, you're going to gain weight. And it all, and I mean this sincerely, all movement counts. Regardless, like if you go out to get the mail, you're walking. Yeah. So there are so, two, two parts of the equation. There's what's going in, there's your nutrition going in, and then there's moving your body. And they're both so important. I think what, what ratio would you give it? You know, like how important, how much of a role does the nutrition play versus movement? I'd say the nutrition part is the most important in the beginning because you can't, if you're extremely heavy and in bad health, heavy people also have problems breathing. So when you can't catch your breath, movement is difficult. So if you can do that nutrition and move a little bit, then keep that nutrition and move a little bit more. So if today you walk 10 steps, good for you. Tomorrow, move 12 steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Just I would a little bit more. I love your mentality that small baby steps really matter and start there. And then you'll be surprised to see how much you can work your way up afterwards. And don't use age as an excuse like I. Mm -hmm. Because I always said, oh, go to the gym. I'm too old for that. Mm -hmm. And I'm at the gym now. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. And then I tell people that all the time. I have a friend who... When I was telling her about, you know, watching your carbs, she says, oh, I like my bread too much. I can't do that. And I looked at her and I said, you know what, Shirley, I like my life too much. Well, mic drop right there. So there's your choice mm -hmm. or life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Choose life. I think I want to end on that note because that is just such a mic drop moment that it is your life at stake and our health is our everything. And when it's ever been in jeopardy, then you really, really realize how, how much it really is everything and how it's worth making these changes, how it trumps everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Jan, thank you so very much for sharing your story today. It's such, it's such an inspiring story that it can be done. You know, you can take back your health. You can reverse things like type two diabetes and it's not easy. You know, it's not a walk in the park, but you are worth it and life is worth it. And you can 100% do it. And you shared so many nuggets and really helpful strategies within your story. So I thank you so very much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, this was so great. And thank you everyone for listening and check out the show notes. I'll have more details about Jan's story and um, some of the things we highlighted. What's show that, Jan? Show the pictures. Oh, yes. Oh, thank you for the reminder. You can't see this. We're recording in Zoom, um, but you'll be listening to this on the audio. So check out the show notes. We'll have Jan's before and after pictures in there. And it's just remarkable. What a transformation. And um, I love the stories. So thank you for listening and I'll be back with another episode next week. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you love today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.